share with you today the most amazing invitation. Each one of you have been invited by God into a relationship with him. And that is a universal invitation. That's not like I'm only going to invite like the super smart people or the super rich people or the super put together people. God universally invites all of humanity to come and walk with him. Pastor Daniel has an incredible invitation to extend to you today. This invitation comes from Jesus and is available every single moment of every single day. It's open to everyone, no matter who you are or what you've done in the past. And if you choose to accept it, your life will be changed forever. What's the invitation? It's to spend your life in relationship with Jesus, who came to take away your sins and shower you with grace and love. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Isaiah chapter 55 with part one of his message, You Are Invited. An invitation always, it's the entry point into an experience that you're yet to have, but you're looking forward to having. I was thinking about this just about the beauty of an invitation, and it brought my mind back to when I had the pleasure of being invited to be here at Crossroads. I remember Bill Ritchie, our founding pastor, he'd been pastoring here, still pastoring to this day for 37 years, and they were looking for a successor for Crossroads, and for some crazy reason, they ended up choosing me. I'm not really sure why. If you want to hear a funny story, though, I was actually talking to a friend who was speaking to Pastor Chuck Smith. Maybe you know Pastor Chuck Smith, who's the founding pastor of the Calvary Chapel movement. And somebody said to him, so did you hear that Bill Ritchie is transitioning? And Chuck Smith said, oh, yeah, he got the wrong guy. (laughs) I mean, those dreadlocks, you know? And so I'm going to put that on my business card going forward. Pastor Chuck Smith, you got the wrong guy. (laughs) But anyway, you know, so sure enough, I remember... I had come up to preach and things went well and Bill said, why don't you come up again? He wanted to make sure I didn't only have like one message that I could preach, you know, like one that I was really good at. So I remember he invited me up and I preached again. I said, well, Bill, listen, you know, how about this? You give me the text on the Sunday before I'm going to come preach. I got a week to prep the message. And I figured if I was Bill, I'd give me like a real hard text like Leviticus. But he didn't do that, you know. He gave me, you know, a text that was in line with his series. And I remember I came on up and I preached and... And I thought it went well, and a couple of the people were like, oh, man, you killed that. That's great. You know? And so after, there was a board meeting, and so I sat into this board meeting, and it's all the Crossroads board and me, and I'm kind of being, we're talking about all these things. And then after we spoke for about an hour and a half, you know, Bill said, well, what do we want to do, guys? And I said, okay, that's probably my cue to get out of here. You know, now they're going to talk about me. <laughs> you know? Bill's like, no, no, why don't you stay? And I was just like, oh, well, all right, you know. And I remember I sat on down and I was still sitting, you know, and these guys just all talked. And it was really beautiful because everybody in that board meeting had something that had gone on that was confirmation that I was supposed to be the guy who came. And so they said, well, so would you like to come and be our next senior pastor? And I said, great. But what's amazing is, is that at that moment, I had no clue what God was going to do. I know I was coming, but like, what was God going to do? And that's how an invitation works, doesn't it? 
An invitation is the entry point into an experience that's yet to happen. And that's why there's something so beautiful and exciting about an invitation. Now, the reason I talked to you about this invitation is I want to share with you today the most amazing invitation. Each one of you have been invited by God into a relationship with him. And that is a universal invitation. That's not like, I'm only going to invite like the super smart people or the super rich people or the super put together people. God universally invites all of humanity to come and walk with him. And not just invite and you just show up the first time, but a constant invitation every single moment of every single day to walk with him. Now, again, the invitation is the entry point, but it's up to the person invited if they want to engage. And my hope today as we study such a beautiful passage today that each one of you will find yourself RSVPing yes to God's invitation. That each one of us, no matter if you've been walking with Jesus your entire life or if you're going to make the decision to begin saying yes to Jesus here today, that you would find yourself always saying, yes, Lord. Yes, God. Yes, Lord. Because I think even in saying that, if there's an old saying that if you don't say yes, Lord, if you say no, Lord, that's an oxymoron. Because if Jesus is the Lord, then you just say yes all the time. If you say no to the Lord, then he's really not the Lord. You're being the Lord. So all of us have this ability to say yes. And not only do I want us all to be RSVPing, because I'm sure in each one of our lives, there's things that God is saying that, hey, let's take this step. And you're like, uh, yeah, no, no, thank you. Right? And I believe that God is inviting all of us to say yes to him. So you want to get at this today? One of my favorite, favorite, favorite passages in the book of Isaiah. Open up your Bibles, Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah 55 in a message that I'm calling, you are invited. Isaiah 55 is easy, easy, easy to find because Isaiah is the second largest book in your Bible, 66 chapters. And so f- chapter 55 is the 55th of those 66 chapters. I'm just making sure everyone's tracking. I've learned as a communicator, you can't leave anything up to chance. Because when you don't explain everything, people fill in the gaps with their own stuff, you know? So I'm working on it. Okay. Isaiah 55, verse 1 says this, ho, and he's not being Santa Claus. That word ho, it's an attention-grabbing device. That's what it is. So he says, ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Verse 3, Incline your ear and come to me here and your soul shall live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. The sure mercies of David. Indeed, I have given him as a witness to the people, a leader and commander for the people. Surely you shall call a nation you do not know and nations who do not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Now, this is powerful. And I like to say it this way, that really the invitation here is to just come. Just come. Just show on up. Why? Do, where do I get that? Look in verse 55, verse, chapter 55, verse 1. Come to the waters. 
You have no money? Come, buy and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and price. You scroll down a little bit more, verse 3. Incline your ear and come to me. See, God invites all of us to come to him. And by coming to him, you're indicating that you are trusting in and you are relying upon him. So this is this invitation. Just come. Now, what's beautiful, if you read these verses, you realize that they're kind of paradoxical. They don't seem to make a lot of sense. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. So the idea is, like, if you have no money, how do you come and buy and eat? Is that strange? How many of you would love to just buy and eat if you had no money? That's why credit cards exist. I'm just kidding. (laughs) That's why we use it. We don't have the money, but we got this little plastic thing. And I'm not saying we should do it that way, but that's how it works. See, the idea here is God is inviting us into something that we can't afford, that we can never afford, but that he has afforded for us. See, this is the Christian message. The good news of Jesus Christ is that God is inviting us to just come as we are with all of our baggage, with all of our inadequacies, with all of our lack, with all the issues that we have. He says, come, and what you're going to get to partake of are things that you could have never afforded, but it's okay because I got it for you. And Jesus got it for us in his own body when he gave up his life on the cross for anyone who would believe. Now, when I say anyone who believes, I mean you as well. Because what I've learned is that when I or a pastor says something like, no matter where you've been or what you've done, you can put your faith and trust in Jesus. He'll accept you. People say that's great, except for what I've done. And the answer is no. What you have done is covered by the grace of God because God's finished work on the cross is more powerful than the mistakes you've made. And even when I say that with clarification, there's still some of you who say, yeah, but. And you know, we say it here, stop with the yeah, but disease. Because, you know, it's true. It's like our own mistakes are our own. They're personal. We carry the wounds for those. Some of you right now, you're just carrying wounds of decisions you've made or decisions that other people have made that have been imposed on you. And you're like, yeah, that sounds great, except for my situation. I'm here to tell you, your situation is completely contained in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And I know that's hard to believe, but guess what? God invites all of us to walk by faith. And you can either believe what you're believing, which is God can do anything in anyone's life except for yours, or you can say, God's word is applying it to my life, and I'm going to not trust my own feelings, which are my own personal Judas, betray me at every corner, but I'm going to trust the word of God. I'm going to trust what the Lord is doing. See, God is saying, come, just come, just as you are. And even though... You're thirsty and come to the waters. Even though you have no money, you can come and buy and eat. Notice, yes, come and buy wine and milk without money and without price. See, not only is it the necessities of life, something like water, but now you have the luxuries of life, wine and milk. Now, in biblical times, wine and milk were not like today. You know, there's whole aisles in the supermarket if you want like, you know, Non-fat milk, skim milk, super fatty milk. You want like clog your arteries milk. You got milk without lactate in it. I mean, you can get all your almond milk, coconut milk. If you're a hippie, you got the hemp milk. I'm just kidding. I know some of you have allergies or you're a hippie, you know. And so you have all, <laughs> you have all these options, right? Same thing with wine. You know, it's like I got red, I got white, I got extra dry, I got extra fruity. You know, you got all these different things. Now, 
on wine, because I realized that when it comes to church and wine, things get, you have to realize that wine was a staple beverage in that culture. Why? And people don't think about it. Because fermented beverages kill all sorts of bacteria. This was long before you had extra reverse osmosis distilled water. Right? And so not all the water was clean. And so fermented foods and fermented beverages was a health necessity because people, if you would drink freestanding water, I mean, how many of you ever got Giardia? You go camping, you forget to pure. Yeah, isn't that fun? A couple of people are like, yeah. And so the fermented beverages was actually helpful for health things. So, but wine and milk, they were some of the luxuries of life. Again, these are things you don't have any money for it, but Not only does God want to say, I want to take care of your necessities, I also want to bless you. This speaks of God's abundance. And then there's this question, this rhetorical question. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Now, in some ways, I want you all just to grab your pen. I want you to circle that in your neighbor's Bible. You know why? Because this is a question we need to ask ourselves in the ways that we get at life. Why do we spend money for what does not satisfy, that's the picture of bread, and our wages for what doesn't, like, why Why do we try and find happiness at the end of a transaction when really what God is saying is that I want to bless you and I want to bring satisfaction to your soul, but you have to come to me, and even though you can't afford it, I afford it for you in the cross. See, this reminds me, of course, of Revelation chapter 3, verses 18 to 20, some famous verses. It says, I counsel you, to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous and repent. And he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and I will dine with him and him with me. You see what Jesus is saying there to the church in Laodicea, the church that was known as the lukewarm church. He's saying, look, he's saying, all the things you need, I have. You want white garments? Speaks of purification. I got it. You think of all the things you have. I have the gold that you need in order to be rich. He's saying, listen, I want to cover the shame of your nakedness. I want to anoint your eyes so that you might see. And then you get this picture of Jesus on the outside of the church knocking to be let in. It's kind of an amazing picture, isn't it? The church is supposed to have Jesus at his head. And Jesus is pictured as outside the church being like knocking. And he says, as many as come and let me in, I will sit with them and I'll have a meal with them. And in a lot of ways, that's what the Lord is doing for each one of us. He's knocking on the doors of our hearts saying, will you let me in? And if you let me in... We will have this amazing fellowship. Isn't it true when you share a meal? I got to share a meal with some friends here from Crossroads just yesterday. Folks who we know, but we never got a chance just to sit down with them. And we had such a great time because you're across the table. You're sharing your lives, all the kids' shenanigans. So funny. I tell Annabelle stories, right? So it cracked me up yesterday. So we're sitting there talking and we're laughing real loud. And Annabelle's sitting on the couch and she says, can you guys please be quiet? I'm trying to poop over here. This is my, like, I tell stories like, it's really real. It's really, I'm like, this is what my life is like. And I'm like, Annabelle, first say please. Second, use the bathroom, you know what I mean? But it was just like a classic life moment, you know? Can you guys be quiet? It's like, 
Jesus wants to have those type of interactions with you guys. You know, it's like the things that happen over a meal, right? It speaks of this intimacy. It speaks of a knowingness, a togetherness that God is really interested in. But guess what? You and I need to just come. That's what this is about. It's like, when was the last time when Jesus knocked saying, I want to be a part of your decision making. I want to be a part of this thing that's going on that you let him in and you let him come to the table and you let him be a part of this whole thing. See, it goes on in verse three, incline your ear and come to me. So it's saying, tune your ear in. Just kind of like, remember the old school radio? For those of you who are younger, you know nothing about this. You just press the track button and a good radio station pops up. But for all of us who are older than like 15, there used to be this little thing that you had to wind. You guys remember know what I'm talking about? It's like, and it was like, and then you'd hear it and you'd have to like, and then if you got really frustrated, you put some tinfoil on the little antennas. Those are these little metal things, you young people, the little metal things, you know, and you have to get the thing tuned on in so that you can hear clearly the idea of incline your ear. It's saying instead of being unhearing or being full of static, I want you to incline your ears to me and then come to me here and your soul will live. So this invitation is about true life in the soul of a human being. That Jesus offers. And then he says, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you in the middle of verse three, the sure mercies of David. Now, of course, if you want to do some homework on this, go read second Samuel chapter seven, where God promises to make an everlasting covenant that one of the descendants of David will always sit on the throne of the nation of Israel, the people of God. If you ever wondered why the new Testament begins with a genealogy, a long list of names, Right, And there's also a genealogy in Luke's gospel, I think the end of the third chapter, is because Jesus comes of the lineage of King David. Jesus is this fulfillment of this everlasting Davidic covenant. And we learn about David, and it's a foreshadowing, of course, of Jesus. Indeed, I have given him as a witness to the people. Right, Somebody who declares to the people as a leader and a commander of the people. And what we learn is that a nation... Surely you will call a nation that you do not know and that a nations who do not know you shall run to you. So we move from David until Jesus' fulfillment where now all of a sudden instead of the people of God just being ethnically Jewish, now you have a multi-ethnic family of every tribe, nation. This speaks of the global thrust of the gospel. You realize all over the world there are people who put their faith and trust in Jesus. That you're, they're your family members. Not just American, not just Caucasian, but multi-ethnic with nations coming together under the rubric of Jesus, who he is. Now, from there, look at what happens in verse 6. It says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Now listen. You and I need to learn how to simply respond. We need to learn how to simply respond. That's why here at Crossroads, we always talk about simply responding to Jesus. Why? Because part of this invitation is a perpetual responding to who the Lord is and to what the Lord is doing. I want you to notice the verbs. I once had a Bible commentator say, if you ever want to understand a text, follow the verbs. 
That's kind of powerful because the idea is that God is always active. And so when God is always active, you can follow the verbs. Now, again, if you want to write in your neighbor's Bible, because we're family, you could circle the word in verse six, seek. Then you can circle the word call. In verse seven, you could circle the word forsake. And in the middle of verse seven, the word return. We get these four responses. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord. You want a model for how to simply respond to Jesus. There it is. Four verbs, four ways to respond. First, you have this idea of Seeking the Lord. And the idea to seek in its usage in the Bible is not looking for something that is lost, but it's really to come with diligence to where the Lord is found. You get that? When it says seek the Lord, it doesn't mean like God got lost along the way. How many of you know what it's like to live with someone who loses their keys and their cell phone all the time? Yeah. And it's funny because like, you know, I'm grateful for now these devices. You can find your device and stuff. It beeps for you. I used to laugh when Lynn and I first got married. Lynn would lose her keys and her phone literally three times every day. And in the beginning, I mean, I'm so type A, you know, and it's such a lousy husband in the beginning. I just get frustrated with her, you know? And then finally one day I'm like, if this is going to happen three times a day, this is like eating food. So I'm just going to enjoy the process. So she'd be like, I can't find my phone. I'm like, well, let's go find it. It's going to be fun, you know? And I was growing up. God was doing a work in my life. See, when it says seek the Lord while I may find, it doesn't mean that God got lost along the way. The idea is making sure that you are being diligent to find yourself where God is found. You already know where the Lord is. And we need to realize that there's a timeliness to this. For some of you right now, the time is right now for you to find yourself where the Lord is. Listen. You need to seek the Lord while he may be found. And I believe that God is inviting all of us to simply respond and say, the Lord is inviting me and I'm going to show up to where the Lord is, which is at that point of that invitation. But not only seeking the Lord, the idea is to call upon him. That's to acknowledge him, to know that God is an ever-present help in time of need. Jesus is In today's message, Pastor Daniel shared with us an invitation to change our lives. This invitation has been extended by God, our Creator and Heavenly Father. He wants us to come to Him, learn from Him, and rely on Him for what we need. God desires to bless us too, giving us things that will bring us joy. His path may seem daunting and uncertain, but pressing into God is the only way to have the best life here and for eternity. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel here. Thanks for joining me on Jesus is Real Radio. I realize that not all of you who listen are followers of Jesus, but I actually believe that there are many of you right now as you've been listening, you're saying, I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus. I want his death and resurrection to be applied to my life. And if that's you, I want you to pray this prayer with me, which is just saying thank you to Jesus for saving you. Let's go ahead. Repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer, I'm so stoked for you. And I want to get some more resources in your hands to help you continue this journey. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, 
to 51400, 51400, and we'll get some resources into your hands. Now, don't go anywhere. Some folks from my team want to share some amazing things with you. Thanks, Daniel. Again, if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Daniel, take out your cell phone and text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400. We'd love to get some resources into your hands, and the Crossroads team wants to connect with you. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel dives into the truth of what Jesus' sacrifice on the cross means to us. He died to cover every sin with grace. Every sin. This includes the worst crimes down to the smallest white lies. It doesn't matter who you are or what your past is. Jesus is offering you new life. He plans to bless you, love you, and make you into a child of the King. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.